Well, we enter into a weird world again, don't we? This week, a bit of a funny one where Queenslanders are all alone again. We're all blocking our neighbours off and maybe some of you are like, I like it this way, right? I must admit, for my, um, my family, they snuck through just before the borders shut. They've come up from New South Wales and then they're like, maybe we'll just stay forever. I'm like, Beck and I are going to have a, you know, sort of her sister and family at our house maybe for the next forever. Who knows? But it is quite an interesting time, isn't it? This week has been one of those weeks again. It kind of throws us a little bit because we go, okay, God, what are you doing? What's going on again with the world that's around us? And I know for myself, um, I just want to stand on the words of what Gary Hurrigan brought last week, and that is, if God is for you, who can be against you? And God is for us. And in Psalms 121.3, I just want to start with this. This is just a brief scripture I just believe we need to hold on to today. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He will not let your foot slip. You know, when you've got God on your side, He's not going to let you, you know, foot slip. He's not going to abandon you. And today I want to talk about some things that are really important. And I believe that God's been laying them on my heart through the week. But before that, though, I want to show you a a meme that I feel like summarizes the world that we live in right now. Um, This, I feel like, is my social media right now. Um, I don't know about you, but if you scroll through your social media, you just see people yelling at each other. Who agrees with that, right? People just yelling at each other. Obviously, in this picture, they're both right, but they see things a little bit differently, and it causes people to yell. And who knows that yelling is exhausting? Who knows that yelling at people is exhausting? It is tiring when you're constantly yelling at each other, and people have different opinions on certain things, and you feel like you're getting nowhere, because you've got people with absolute, I have the truth, I have the truth, and they're just going, you know what, I see things differently. I remember years ago um, when I lived in Woodridge, a great area, um, I lived in a complex. Some of you are like, woo, you haven't been to Woodridge. And so um, I lived in this complex called Paddington Gardens, and it sounds really lovely if you, you know, can imagine the graffiti around it. It may, may change your mind. But I lived in this complex, and I used to have a whole bunch of neighbors who did, didn't quite get this sort of thought process about yelling doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, And what I mean by that is I had this neighbor, um, and she was a bit of an elderly lady, and on Saturday mornings, normally around 6 a.m., she would turn up her speaker system and turn on music, right? And she would listen to Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, on repeat, right? Like literally crank it so loud. And I would be, I'd wake up and go, oh, here she goes again, right? And um, for you teenagers here who don't know what that is, thank God you were born in a different generation. And so, you know, I remember thinking, oh my gosh. But then it would start because in my complex with this lady and her Celine Dion, a couple of doors up, I would then hear da 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 thunder, right? And pretty much... The neighbor just up, about two or three doors up from me, he would start playing ACDC, right? And then he would crank it even louder. If you live in Logan, you understand that you show off your wealth by the size of your speakers, okay? You know, the bigger they are, the blacker they are, the bigger the subwoofer you've got, that's your notoriety, okay? And so that would happen... So you'd have the clash of worlds between ACDC and Celine Dion, and then another neighbor would fire up Keith Urban, and all of a sudden, my Saturday was ruined. These people would just go at it. They'd literally, I swear that they were down at cash converters buying extra speakers every week just to make it louder, like, I will win. I will have my music played in this complex. And I remember one day a neighbor came over to me and he, go, he knocked on my door and he goes, hey, Az, you're on the body corporate, right? 
because he knew I owned the unit, right? I was such a real estate mogul back then. And so I go, yes, I'm on the body corporate. And then all of a sudden, he's rallied around some other neighbors. Go to as he can fix the problem. He's on the body corporate. Now, I'm under 20 years of age. I've got massive dreadlocks. And all these neighbors are coming to me saying, fix our problem. Fix that problem, all the noise that's going on between the neighbors. And I remember just going, how the heck am I? And you know, one day I walked, I thought, you know what, stop it. I walked over to this lady's house, knocked on her door when she was playing at Celine. And she entered, I said, hey, no one likes it. Can you turn it down? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. Then I went up to the ACDC guy, I said, no one wants to hear it, mate. Can you turn it down? And it's interesting, by building relationship with those people, they realize, oh, maybe I'm actually causing a problem here. Maybe having a louder voice doesn't actually bring a solution into this situation. And it was so interesting, even I remember one family came to me because they couldn't let they, their kids couldn't sleep in the complex because of the neighbor's stupidity with their loud noise. And so after going to these people and going, do you realize that your noise is keeping their baby awake? Oh, sorry about that, mate. And all of a sudden, it diffused. Because there was wisdom in the midst, it wasn't just noise. And I want to talk about this today because, oh, you know, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you are in a march yesterday, maybe you weren't. Maybe you were part of one of the riots, maybe you weren't. Maybe you've, you know, got an opinion on certain things. But I want to talk about how we can bring godly wisdom to a time where people have different opinions today. You know, I've never seen a riot bring about anything. In fact, the only riot I've ever been part of or in uh, was one I didn't want to be in. I got caught up in the middle of a riot in Haiti in Central America in 2008. Um, there was riots in the streets. I got boarded up in an office building, got told by these people, you can send one email to someone you love. The people are going to turn on that building. We're all going to die. True story. I wrote an email to my parents at the age of 24, trying to explain to them this is the last thing I'll ever send them. By the grace of God, I'm standing here today. The riots went past. They set fire to cars. They smashed things. They destroyed everything in their path. People got killed. For what? And at the end of the day, it came down to people who didn't know how to deal with situations well. They thought making a lot of noise would change their circumstance, their circumstance but the noise did nothing except destroy their own community. Today, I want us to learn from Scripture. You know, if there's one thing that I've learned this week, I feel like as I've been seeking God, God's like, turn everything off and pick up your Bible. Turn everything off and pick up your Bible. Church, I will constantly say to you, you need to be reading the Word of God because the Word of God will give you discernment and wisdom on how to take on situations. I mean, it is a sword. And this thing will give you wisdom. It will give you wisdom beyond your years. And today I'm going to be talking about a young man um, who had incredible wisdom. In fact, we're going to be talking about a, a Bible character who was described by people who did not follow God like this. This was their words as they watched a man that followed God. It said this, these people were saying, this man had the Spirit of God in him. They said, he has the Spirit of God in him. A man that has insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom. These things were actually said of this Bible character, as I said, by notoriety, even kings. We're going to talk about this guy because I believe this guy can teach us so much about the world we live in today. His character held true when he lost his home, his identity, and even his ability to have offspring. He lost his future. He also lost his own name. He was a slave. He was forced to serve the very one that took over his entire life. But at no stage did he lose his faith in God or have his character waver. 
Does anyone know, have a guess who we're talking about today? Joseph, not Joseph. Who do you reckon we're talking about today? Yell out someone. I'll, I'll, I'll give you his characteristic. This is what it says. Ooh, who was that? Oh, top of the class right there. Daniel. We're going to talk about Daniel today. And you know, Daniel's one of those interesting characters in the Bible we often think of because we think of Daniel's in the lion's den, Daniel and the lion's den, right? That, you know, kind of childhood story. But today we're going to talk about Daniel because of his, his integrity and the way he walked in integrity and the way that even though he had a lot taken from him, he just didn't waver. You know, I want to speak to the youth here today. If you're a young person here today, um, don't switch off because mum and dad drag you to church. You need to hear this today, all right? You want to be like Daniel. You want to be like Daniel. This guy was a young man when things started off in his life. And actually, I'm really excited because the youth are putting on a sausage sizzle later today, uh, raising money for their youth camp. I encourage you, even if you don't like sausages, go and buy them, okay? I don't know, go and give them to a neighbor. Put them in letterboxes. I don't care. Um, I was trying to figure out how much they charge a sausage, Bella. What is it? Three for 50 bucks? That's a bargain, right? Um, I don't know. But, you know, the reality is we believe in our young people. And I believe wholeheartedly if our young people get the heart of God, they're going to be fine no matter what the circumstances in their world. You know, I believe that you were born for such a time as this. You, it's not a mistake. You're here on the world, in the world right now when COVID's rampant and all this sort of stuff. God needs you as a young man and woman of God, okay? So pay attention to this preach. Today, I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, okay? And I want to challenge you, um, every one of you, to go away and pick up your Bible and open to the book of Daniel this week. Okay, um, because there's so much in this. And I believe the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. As you read it yourself, the Holy Spirit will speak to you as well. Not just to me, but to you as well. So I want to challenge you to read it. But we're going to pick up from the first chapter of Daniel. And this is what it says. In the third year of the reign of Jeho- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar. Haniah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. You know, before we go any further, it's really easy to read a passage of Scripture like this. This is why I say you've got to read your Scripture, right? Um, Teenagers, know your Bible, all right? Just know it, please. And some of you older guys, and I'm not calling you all old, but you need to know your Bible as well. Because this is what's going to hold you strong. It's like an anchor in a time like this. What's interesting, you can bypass this passage of Scripture and just like, oh yeah, there's nothing really going on here. Let's get to the meaty bit. Show me Daniel and where's the lions, right? Like you kind of almost go into this state. But I want to stop here and explain what's going on. Jehoiakim, this king, he's the last king of Judah. 
You might have heard a few months ago, we had a series on the kings and how when Jesus arrives about seven, 800 years later, the Jews declare on Palm Sunday that he is the king of the Jews because they're waiting for a king to overthrow again. They want another king of Judah and Israel. Like this is something they really desperately want, but this is the last of the kings. Jehoiakim, he loses everything. Babylon overthrows everything. And at this time, uh, you've got to understand that Nebuchadnezzar, when it says he besieged the city, he overtook it. Little statement, besieged it, right? Think of it like this, he overtook it. In that very moment that he overtook Jerusalem, the city was now in slavery. He had control over it. He had control of everyone in the city. And at this time in history, we actually find that this new king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a plan and he wants this, his, his, his you know, head eunuch to look after it. Ashpenaz, he goes to him, he says, this is what I want you to do. There's a task I want you to do. I have a plan to really assimilate and make these people like us. And he says this in verse 3. I'll read it again. He says, Bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. This is the moment we're introduced to Daniel and three of his mates. You know, it's interesting when we get introduced to Daniel. I, I'm trying to read a lot of commentaries this week about Daniel and his family and his lineage. There's nothing we know about his family. We actually have no history about his family, but we do know this. He was probably part of the royal family or he was well-to-do. And there's a good chance that when the city was besieged, his parents may have been killed. And he was dragged off with three of his mates. It wasn't a, hey, you look great. Do you want to come and hang out with the king? It's like, you're our slave. Come with us. He's lost, he's lost his place of where he can live. He's probably lost his family. Not only that, Nebuchadnezzar and this man that is over him now, he's like the slave driver, gives him a new name. Daniel gets a new name. His name is now Belshazzar. If you didn't know what, Daniel actually means God is my judge, right? God is my judge. He's a Jewish boy. God is my judge. There's only one God. And they go, no, from now on, you're going to be Belshazzar. And Belshazzar literally means Bel is your God. And Bel was literally the Babylonian God. In other words, they're saying, you thought you had a God. He's dead. You follow us now. He's your God. I'm going to call you that. We're going to change who you are. Every part of you. Our God protects you now. Look how good he did before. Your God. You got to summarize these seven verses. We just rush through. Daniel's city and life is overrun by evil adversaries. He's taken from his family. His rights are taken from him. He's been renamed. And his boss, the chief eunuch, probably made him a eunuch as well. And that's not unique, that's eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, castration was a barbaric way to say, we own you now. So not only did he lose... His future, he was robbed of even having kids and a future. And this is where we pick up the story about Daniel and how he responds in this time. Who reckons they'd do well after all of those things happening to you? No one? Didn't think so. But this is what Daniel, we learn about Daniel. This is why I think, you know, if you allow it, this story will challenge you to the core. It's challenged me to the core this week. It says this in verse 8. Because 
He's in this place of desolation. Now he's just a slave. And it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, I mentioned that he was going to get dragged off. He's getting wine and food. You can understand the reason he didn't want to be defiled. What, a, what would have happened back then was actually the leftovers from the king's palace. And the kings would have sacrificed animals to their gods and used the wine. And so if Daniel ate that food and drank that wine, he would have been defiled before his own God, would have gone against what he was all about. And this is where he gets to. He knew he was a slave, but he still had a faith conviction. And I want to show you what he did. Because I think a lot of us, if it's anything like me, I probably would have kicked and screamed and hoped that a sword went through my heart and died a valiant man and maybe gone really, you know, rogue and maybe thought, short life, who cares? But Daniel does something very different. In verse 9, it said this, it says this, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief, chief of eunuchs. Gave him favor. The man that's made him a slave, he's won him over. His enemy, he's won over. Who, find, who knows it's hard to win over an enemy, right? Like, I'm a people person, and if I can't win someone over, I find I'm like, what have I done wrong, right? I love having conversation. I love relationships. I remember having a boss once. I could never win over, and I thought, he must be the devil, right? Um, he probably thought I was the devil, okay? But it's interesting that Daniel's approach was to win over the one that made him a slave. And he actually found favor and compassion from this guy. In fact, because he won him over, when Daniel requested, said, please don't make me eat that food, it's going to, it, it brings, it's going to defile me. This man goes, if I go to the king, he's going to have my head, Daniel. Daniel pleads with him, says, look, just for 10 days, just give me fruit and veggies and water. And if I look bad after 10 days, I understand it. But I'm, I'm telling you, we will be stronger than every one of the other guys here. Just, just trust us on this. And he takes a punt on him. And when he rocks up and stands before the king later on, the king finds him to be of ten, like 10 times better than the others. It's an interesting approach to it. Instead of complaining and arguing and screaming, he goes, all right, I'm here. I'm going to win him over. I'm going to deal with my situation. You know, all week as I've been reading this scripture, and can I tell you, I've read chapter 1 to 3 over and over and over, and I've been scanning it. Like I've been scanning over and over again to let it just drop into my spirit. And I want to challenge us when, it reads, when we read our scriptures May we actually read over and over and over and over. Not just scan once and then go and spend five hours on social media scanning over and over and over because this will change your life. So this week as I've been just, just in this word, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a simple question because the world's crazy right now. What's up? What's down? Who knows? And I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me, and this is a very personal message for, my, for me, but maybe it's for you as well today, and I hope maybe some things can stir up in you. The question I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, As, what would you be like if you were in Daniel's situation? How do you react when you're forced into submission? How do you react when things are out of your control? How do you react when your freedoms are taken away? How do you react when your borders are closed and you can't see your family? How do you react when your livelihood is stripped away from you, when your business depends on the work? The reason the last one was there is I lost two weeks of work because of these least recent closures. I work in schools. I can't go to Victoria. I can't go to Tasmania. And so God's challenging me this in this stuff. God was saying, what does your character look like as when you lose everything? 
You know, I've thought about this for the last few days. What would it look like if this church had to shut down again due to COVID? How would I react? So I just kept reading over and over and over the scriptures this week. And you know, if I'm honest, I can't say that I think I could match Daniel's character. Under great pressure. You know, I'm sure as he was being dragged off with his three best mates, being berated and told he was nothing, when he was being castrated and told that he has no life anymore. I'm sure he would have wanted to kick and scream, maybe fight to the death, turn into a rebellion, uprise. But as it says in verse 9, he didn't. He gained great favour and compassion from the chief officer. It takes a lot to win over an enemy. It takes a lot of wisdom to win over an enemy. But because of this wisdom he had, it actually granted him his request. He got to follow God's ways even while he was a slave. I'm going to point out some things today, Elevation, I think we can take away from Daniel's life as we navigate through this time that we're going through. My first point today is the way we carry on will carry us on into our next the way we carry on will carry us on into our next. You know, there's a lot going on in this world that we live in, but Christians, we're still called to be salt and light. Salt to be adding flavor to this world to preserve the good that's in it, to see God in our society. We're to be light. We're to be those in the community. With e when everything seems dark, we are supposed to be the ones that have light and the answer. If you have declared that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the answer, you are the light. Unfortunately, some of us can fall into the trap, joining in with the doom and gloom conversation that isn't bringing any light to the circumstance or situation around you. You know, Daniel under Ashpenaz, I mean, he had every reason to rebel and fight. But instead, he used wisdom. The way he carried on in this situation, the way he dealt with this situation was so inspiring. You know, for three years, he could have said, I'm not going to learn your language. You can't change me. I'm a Jew. I'm not going to learn it. I'm not going to do any of that. Instead, he went, okay, you're going to give me some tools. He learned a language and he got to speak into that space. He took every opportunity over those three years, every opportunity he made the most of everything because he knew, just like we know, God works together all things for good for those that love him. Whatever circumstance, whatever situation. It says in verse 20, And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, because he catches up with the king, he found them, these four guys, to be ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in the kingdom. Not only did he find favor with his slave master, he found favor with the king. He now had influence because of his wisdom. We need wisdom in our community right now so we can find favor amongst those that make our decisions. There are people in this church, I believe, are going to be raised up as a voice, but you need wisdom on how to deal with it how to speak into the lives of those that are in authority. Because when you have that favor, God can do amazing things through you. You can actually hold on to your conviction, even though you think you might lose it, because they will see God on your life. 
you know, before you start posting online, spewing your opinions, yelling at people from a distance, I want to ask the question, what is it you're trying to achieve? What is it you're trying to achieve? It's just about like making the noise in the complex, seriously. Everyone thinks they're making an opinion, having an opinion, and they're really loud, and I'm going to have my way, I'm right. But it actually wasn't doing anything except making noise. Are you using wisdom in this situation? You know, when I, we first got here, um, we got set apart as the pastors here at the church. And I remember the first week, a gentleman came up to me in the foyer. We've just been announced as the pastors. A guy I've never met came and berated and attacked me for 20 minutes on a preach I'd done four weeks earlier. Never met him. I had to stop this guy after he was just in my face, just attacking me over one line. I'd sent in a preach four weeks early. He brought his three scriptures to back up his point. And I just went, whoa. I said, who are you? I said, I've never met you. And he started telling me all this stuff, how I'm wrong. Church, I'm the first to admit I'm not always going to get it right. But I want wisdom and discernment. And I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I remember saying to this guy, I said, mate, I don't even know you. And he wanted to speak into my life. And then he told me, I want to be your spiritual mentor. How do you think I responded to that? I don't think he's ever stepped back in this church. If you're here today, I'm sorry. And I think sometimes we think by yelling or posting or giving our opinion, we think we're making a difference. But I tell you this. When you're in relationship with someone and you actually care about them and you back them and support them and say, I don't think you're all right, but I'm here for you, all of a sudden you win favor with those of power. And we need a wise church, not a loud church, a discerning church. How we carry on will carry us on into our next you know, just this week we had a testimony at this church, you know. Um, last week we had a prayer meeting for the South African community here. Who was here? Anyone here for that? It was so cool. And um, we put that on because the Holy Spirit was stirring, saying you need to create a space for the South African community to pray for their nation. That was simply it. And so we put it on and it was a, a fun night, you know. It kind of got a bit weird and wild at the end. We're marching around the building. It was awesome. Thank you, Dan. And so we're having a great time and... Um, I thought, you know, God, you're going to do something for the South African community through this church. I wholeheartedly believe it. You know, second uh, most spoken language in this area is Afrikaans. And we didn't know what God was going to do through that. But even just at the end of this week, we got an email from a community liaison officer. I, I said border security last time. Not from border security. They're not going to deport you, right? Um, but just... Um, from council or community, they're saying, hey, we saw you put on a prayer meeting for this community. We would love to meet you and ask your advice on how we meet the South African community. Now, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Suppose we just put on a big bra and make it everyone happy, eh? As it, you know, like maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Susati and Cook sisters and all whatever. I don't know, but I tell you what, God is going to use it. And God, that's how God shows up. You know, and I believe there's going to be so many people in this church that are going to have voices in our community, not because of how loud, but because of the wisdom and discernment they have. The Holy Spirit at the right time, they will use what they have. The Holy Spirit at the right time will elevate them and say, hey, use your voice. God's going to do something amazing.
The second thing we can learn from Daniel and a question to ask us all is, where do we turn in a time of trial? Where do we turn in a time of trial? A time that displays our character, drags us out. We see in this story in chapter 1 through to 3 that Daniel actually goes through an extreme time of pressure. He's actually confronted by his own mortality. He is going to die. I'm going to pick up this passage of Scripture and just read a little bit of it because the king Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Chapter 2, it says this, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king, of Ara- uh, said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell, you the, tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not, if you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. And your house shall be laid in ruins. Let's just stop there. Imagine that happens to you. The mayor goes, I've had a dream. Come into my office. And you're like, what's the dream? I'll interpret it. He says, no, you tell me the dream and interpret it. Yeah, I can't. You need to tell me the dream. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, this is pretty big. This is pretty big. These guys keep on going, no one can do this. In fact, a little bit further down in the scriptures, it says this in verse 10, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. They're freaking out because they know they're dead. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And it says, because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them too. The story goes that Daniel says, just give me some time. Then he takes off to his mate's house, the three guys, and he says, we need to pray. We need to pray and actually seek God. In verse 17, it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, and told them, seek mercy from God of heaven, the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men. The story is God gives him the dream and the interpretation, and it's a phenomenal outcome. We can learn so much from Daniel's life just in three chapters. Seriously, there's so much in this. When his life was under attack, When he was confronted with his own mortality, how do we respond when we go through these times of trials, church? I want us to learn from Daniel. First and foremost, he went to a place of faith. He surrounded himself with men that also followed God. That's why we come to church. Rach talked about a life group before. That's why we do life group, because when you come up against trial and tribulation and situation, you need to be surrounded by people full of faith. Because sometimes we go, oh, I'm going through hell. Where's the alcohol? Where's that addiction? Where's that thing? We kind of turn to other things, but Daniel, we can see this. He turns to God. He turns to those who also had faith. He prays about it. What I love as well is as God, as soon as God drops something on Daniel, gives him the dream and the interpretation, we see that it says in the scripture, Daniel immediately thanks God. 
Immediately, it wasn't about him. He literally starts just worshiping God. It says this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give you thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel goes to the king, tells him the dream, interprets the dream. Does anyone want to know what that dream was? You can go read it this week. I'm actually not going to tell you. I want you to go read it, right? It's really cool. And he interprets it, and then this is what's so amazing so incredibly amazing. You know, these other men said there's no one that can reveal these mysteries. But Daniel goes and reveals it to, these, to this king. And what's amazing in this time when he goes to reveal it to the king, get this, Daniel's life is saved, his best three mates are saved, but all the other magicians are saved as well that don't believe in their God. The salvation was for all people, not just for Daniel. When God uses you with wisdom and discernment, it's not just going to save you, it's going to save those around you. It's going to bring life into places like you've never seen before. This final passage I want to read in a moment highlights something, This, and I believe this wholeheartedly elevation. This last point is simply this. When God shows up in your world... The world will bring glory to your God. Let me say that again. When God shows up in your world, the world will bring glory to your God. What's really fascinating, when Daniel actually reveals this thing to this king who doesn't even believe in his God, it says this in verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief uh, prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So he's just got a promotion because of what God's done through him. And it says this, Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Notice Daniel's like, me and my mates, thanks. Bring him in. And it says that Daniel remained in the king's court. This is just chapter one to three of Daniel, right? There's so much. Go read that. Go keep reading because it's incredible what actually unfolds. It's an amazing story about a young man in his teens losing everything but keeping the faith. Keeping his character, winning the hearts of his adversaries, having a chance to hold his spiritual conviction because of the relationships he'd formed. And then he was brought before the king, not only to save his life, but the lives of many others. Then he gets a promotion to a place of authority because of God's faithfulness. Church, This week, let Daniel's story challenge you like it's been smashing me over the last couple of days. Maybe you can ask yourself these questions, the questions I've been asking myself. 
The questions I've been asking is the way that I carry on carrying me into the future that God wants for my life. It's the way that I've been carrying on carrying me into the future of what God wants for my life. Am I winning the favour of those around me so that in the right time I'll be able to be strong in influence and hold true to my conviction of faith? I've been asking these questions. I've been asking myself things like when I come up against trials, where do I turn? Do I tend to close people of faith and prayer and wise counsel or am I turning somewhere else? And this is the question I ask myself as I just read over and over and over again. Finally, can I look at my life and truly say that when people see my life, they will declare that truly your God is God of gods, Lord of kings, like he declared over Daniel's life. You know, my prayer is that our church is filled with people that displays God's glory and people who, um, in your communities, people will look to you and go, man, God's good because I see it in you. The way you treat me, the way you deal with relationships, the way you go about your business shows me that your God is good. I hope that our community knows God because they know us. May people speak of you like the words spoken of Daniel. They are men and women that had the Spirit of God in them. They had insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for the story of Daniel. God, I thank you that we can learn from a young man who didn't sway from his convictions when he lost everything. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom this week as to how to go about how to deal with the world that we live in. May we be salt and light. May we bring the answer of you, Jesus, in every situation. May people who know us declare your goodness, God, because of the way that we act. You know, all week been interesting i've just felt the holy spirit say you need to pray for your leaders instead of abuse them tell them what they're doing wrong yelling at them from a distance you need to pray for your leaders maybe you see those people in leadership as your enemies pray for your enemies jesus said do good to those that harm you When we do this, we see a shift. We're actually more like Jesus when we do this. So Jesus, we pray. I'm just going to pray right now. I've felt in my heart to pray for Anna Palaszczuk. Jesus, I pray for her right now. I pray blessing over her life. Jesus, more importantly, I pray that she'll meet you, that she'll know you. She'll know you love her. You created her for such a time as this to lead. God, I just pray right now that you will bless her. You'll keep her. God, I speak against the negative stuff that's come against her from your followers, Jesus. The stuff that is just vitriolic. God, it's attack. And God, I just speak against the death that's been spoken over her life. God, I pray that in our church, there'll be people that have influence enough to speak into her life and actually see her come to Christ. 
Jesus, I pray for Scott Morrison right now. Got half a nation that hates him, half a nation that's for him. What a weight to hold. Father, I pray that you give him supernatural wisdom. God, we don't have all the answers, but you do. You're a wellspring of wisdom, God. So God, we pray that you would download it to our leaders. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give visions to our leaders and may those of faith come and interpret and bring the answer that they need. Holy Spirit, we don't know everything. Keep us humble at heart. God, may we seek you with everything we have. May we spend more time in your word than that online. So that God, your glory will show up in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.